Catch up with the entire season of Pandora anytime on the CW app or download it on iTunes. You can also watch Pandora in Canada on the Space Channel. Hey, welcome to Unboxing Pandora, and this is Mark A. Altman, creator and executive producer of Pandora, and we have a great group of people here to talk about the penultimate episode of the season, Knocking on Heaven's Door. I have executive producer and the writer of this episode, Steve Krasir. Hello. We have our fabulous DP, or if you're in Europe, DOP, Maximilian Schmiggy. Thank you so much. And he uh, joining us for the first time because this is such a testament to his abilities to bring this all together and actually have it be arable, post-production supervisor and producer, Aaron Ratner. Very true. Thanks, everyone. And now, get ready, get that play button ready as we deliver a live audio commentary for Knocking on Heaven's Door. I didn't even realize that was the title of this one. I wrote it, but I, I love that. It's a great title for this one, and I know the song. It's so. not an episode. It's an epic-sode. Epic. So. An epic-sode. I saved this for the podcast. Are we still recording? This is yeah. good. And I have oh, fantastic. Use all yeah. this. I haven't, this is, I haven't seen the finished version of this, so... No one has. No one has. So <laughs> no, I think we're also I'm screening... I'm that again. We're also screening a lot of this for... Only two people new viewers. This, yeah. No, no. I mean, look, we'll talk about it when we do the commentary, but this... This is the kind of episode that you should have months of planning for and months of post. We had days of planning and yeah. days Hours, of Hours, minutes, yeah. and seconds Hours. sometimes. <laughs> now the story can be told. Um, this is our best of both worlds. Our, um, If you watch the Orville, our identity, our... Um, uh, I mean, this is this is a, just an enormous, enormous mm. episode. I mean, we always knew twelve would be huge. We had been marshalling our resources to do a big episode um, as the penultimate episode. Um, and the, you may say, "Well, why not the finale?" Because we knew we had three weeks to deliver the finale, and there was no <laughs> way that we could do a special effects heavy episode for the finale. Um, and uh, it's directed by the great Chris Ledoux, who is a producer on the show and a visual effects supervisor. Um, he runs Crafty Apes. He's actually in Atlanta. He really should be on this podcast. I have to say, I mean, obviously we want Chris here, but Chris is based out of Atlanta. Um, he's actually not finished with this episode. He's, <laughs> he's, still, he's still sending He still shots. has a couple more he's things on left it right to now. do. So we don't know he, what he's missing. calling the satellite guy. Can you hold the broadcast? I have a new shot. <laughs> I mean, it's literally, like, I, I'll approve shots, and they'll go in, we'll mix it and everything, and then I see it on the air, and somehow the shot has changed. I don't know how he sends it to Aaron, and it ends up in the episode, and I'm yeah. just like, wait, that's not the shot I approved. It's incredible that what he pulled off on the show, especially on this episode, what we'll see when we watch this, it's amazing. The it's quality insane. and the amount of VFX work on this yeah. entire show and he this episode He was pretty even-keeled throughout the production well, of it. To say, I don't know what he's like in Atlanta. Making it. I can't say this about every director, but he had a vision. He came into this mm -hmm. with a quote-unquote vision. He knew what he mm -hmm. wanted to do. He knew what he liked about the show. He knew what he thought didn't work about the show. And he was intent on molding it to his... You he know, was the right guy to step into yeah. this. The head of the network said, try different things, and Chris Ledoux was oh, trying different things, for <laughs> yeah. sure. I loved it, and I was so scared at the same time, because we did so many bigger things that we hadn't done on the previous episodes before. But I'm really glad that we did, because it looks amazing, and it looks different. And I love Chris. He's not only super talented, but um, he, 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 you know, he, 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 he's a big teddy bear, but you wouldn't know. He comes across as this big, argumentative, uh, you know, scary guy. And he's just so talented, so smart, and so creative. And he's like us. He just wants to do cool stuff. Like, when I came to him with the show and said... We have a show, and we have no money, and we have no time, but we'd love you to be involved. He just like was like, is it cool? That's what he wanted to know. Is it a cool show? And I said, I think so. <laughs> It'll be cooler with you involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were so lucky to have That's what he said, too. He was like, we should do whatever makes the show cool. If it's great, we should do it that way. And, you know, he works on... His company works on huge shows. I mean, we joke... You know, the, 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 the craft service budget on Discovery is bigger than our budget for the entire season. And it's a joke, I tell, but it's also probably true. Probably not far off. Yeah. yeah. And he was yeah. also showing cast and crew clips of what his company did, like, on his phone, just so they were comfortable with, like, mm. this is what we're, we're I could do. So, because a lot of the, it's a different style of directing when you have a lot of visual effects like this. Yeah. So he's like, you, you have to trust him to 
it's what he's going to pull it off. I loved having the VFX supervisor on set because um, he knew what he wanted and he knew what he could pull off. So it was very specific about how we were filming certain scenes. But I also had to keep telling him, I know you can pull this off. Can you pull this off in three weeks? Because that's the post window they had. I said, I know you've done this for Marvel movies and I know you've done this for other huge shows like Stranger Things. But I said, this thing's going to be on the air in a month. So I have no doubt you can do all this, but can you do it in the time? And he said, don't worry. And We don't know yet, so we're about to watch <laughs> yeah, it. So we'll, we'll yeah, we'll we'll we're we're not sure. But yeah, <laughs> we, we, we can't answer that question yet. We're seeing it two days before America. <laughs> about, I think it was a, the, the shot count for VFX that Chris did. It was about 330 VFX shots oh, wow. for this one episode. Yeah, 330. I'm, 330. In three weeks. Which is more than yep. The Empire Strikes Back and less than Return of the Jedi, but it's a hell of a lot. <laughs> they um, had more than three weeks. Yeah, they had more than three <laughs> weeks. And I mean, I, you know, we're joking when we say we haven't seen it. I mean, Max and I colored and Aaron I colored time this two days ago, which all the shots were in at that point. I think no, there were no, no, no there weren't. There weren't a couple, couple. Yeah. So we haven't. So. <laughs> Still haven't seen everything. Uh, so this will be eye-opening. The world premiere. <laughs> we record audio commentary. So get ready for the world premiere of Knocking on Heaven's Door. Here we go. Okay, welcome to the live audio commentary. Start your DVRs now. Okay, this is our uh, recap. All the big mythology is coming to a head in this episode. All the mythology we haven't been answering all season. Um, and we said, you know, Pandora's box. They just opened Pandora's box. What's this mysterious key? I know. I remember when Tom and I came up with that over tacos at Taco Teca. But the key opened. It opens Pandora's box. And I called Steve. I said, guess what we came up with over Mexican? <laughs> it was like our little mini writer's room that day. Um, it's amazing how Mexican food can really help your thought process. I was gonna say we mix most of these uh, most of these episodes with Mexican food. That's true. We found a really good Mexican restaurant. So I, I got to tell you, you know, all this time we spent in post with the mixing and the color timing, I, I, I need to go on a diet. It's <laughs> just like I put on so much weight between uh, all, all this. So I'm looking for. And Max, you lost weight. Amazing. I did. Yeah. Well, I Max was, was like not sleeping. For 86 days, Max was never sat still. So that's <laughs> he never sat down. Never sat so down. So we said, get Max a chair. Why? Why yeah. does Max need a chair? <laughs> he can't sit. I down. have no time to sit down <laughs> on the show, especially not on this episode. <laughs> Mark, the scene you actually put in number seven and weren't sure who it was going to be. We had no idea <laughs> who was going to come to him at the grave. And everyone's like saying it, to me, oh, wife? we know, it's yeah. it's the mother. It's still alive. She's still alive. And it's like, um, and it was like, uh, I'm like, no, I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because at one point, um, I guess it, uh, Priscilla called me out and she said, I know it is. And I said, well, how do you know? Because I knew we didn't know. And she's like, because I saw on wardrobe, it said Jax's mother on the tag, because that's what they thought it was. Mm -hmm. So she says, so you can't lie on to me that about jacket. this. And I'm like, yeah. no, it's, it's, how does wardrobe know? When I don't even know. <laughs> First of the visual shots. Yeah, now the space elevator was something that we had incorporated into the pilot, which we didn't really make a big deal out of. There's a lot of stuff we knew that we never actually said, like, the show takes place in Geneva, and, like, there's a space elevator, and, like, we never really hit that stuff very hard. So now we finally got to make a big deal out of the space elevator. That was actually the monorail leading to the space elevator. Well, the, the monorail, monorail. Something I was obsessed with since day one. Okay. Oh, yeah? So <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay, Wait, Max, why don't you tell everyone okay, about it? So here's the thing about the monorail. <laughs> There, on the way to the studio every day, there was this decrepit, run-down... Aqueduct. Aqueduct. Factory aqueduct. And Steve was like, era. we should shoot a plate shot of this and use it as, like, a monorail. And I'm like, yeah, that would look cool. But then, that was not the last of it. I mean, I don't think a day went by where Steve didn't bring up this... Well, monorail. we drove under it at least twice a day for several uh, weeks, yeah. and so I would bring it up, the and monorail. Then and then we actually did shoot it mm -hmm. with a drone... Well, uh, after we shot the uh, I want to say uh, what happened monument. was you shot Bujaluja and it worked out so well then you were really set on using the monorail and then when we were breaking 112 I said Steve I think it's time to break out the monorail and he was so happy and, 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 and we told Chris and he said I got all this plate footage and Chris is like I'm not using it and I'm I said like, what? what do you mean it looked, all you do is just put like a car on top of that aqueduct thing he's like no uh uh I, you know, you're, no but Steve wasn't entirely wrong because I actually I think that 
CGI looks better when it's combined with plate shots. It's like that last scene in Phantom Menace when they're having the battle with the, the the droids. They would have been better off shooting an open field and then putting in the CGI elements than making the field itself CG mm. as well. And so I think Steve, in a way, was kind of right that it might have been better to have actually used that plate shot and added the CG well, It could be in it. season two. It's just a different planet. Uh, it's possible. <laughs> already. The pre- Max, in the previous scene, I, I remember where they shot in Osborne's office, and it was a little different than the other times you shot in the office. And as you guys came out of there, you and Chris, it was a little bit like, you weren't sure about it. Now, you remember well, about this when we reveal in the previous episode that Luke is young Harlan Freed, and the network's like, well, how is that possible? And we're like, well, we're not going to answer it in the end of the episode when it's like the shocker. Don't worry, next episode we're going to do all the techno babble. Okay. And they're like, okay. There was also an early <laughs> cut where you, you didn't see his full body shot. Hmm. And I told Chris, you might want to put in the full body shot because the network will probably want to see the full body shot. He didn't yeah. put it in. The network, of course, first asked note. for the full bo- <laughs> first notice. Full body shot. I'm like, yep. Uh-huh. And then it's in there. So. So and then again, we're back in the office at the military academy, which is the old commandants. I guess I don't know if they were called commandants. I just keep saying that, but the old whoever this was, the head of the military academy's office, back back before the Soviet occupation. I mean, actually, out, out to, through the back window is episode six balcony. Just a little trivia right? there. Yeah. yeah, if you actually go through the doors behind Young Harlan mm-hmm. Freed, you go out to the balcony that Pilar was on. Oh. oh, here comes the entrance. Manu, Manu Bennett. Bennett. Now, this is a really funny story. People probably, CW fans in particular, say, oh, Manu Bennett from Arrow. I love that guy. As do I, as a, a big fan of Manu Bennett. But how did we get Manu Bennett to do Pandora? How, you know, <laughs> this is a really... I, I'm looking at Instagram and um, reading some Instagram posts, and Manu Bennett talks about what a great time he's having at, like, Romanian Comic-Con. And I'm like, oh, Manu Bennett's in Europe. We should see if he's interested in coming to Bulgaria to do the show. And um, we reached out to his agents, and he said he'd like to see a script, and he read the script, loved the script. And basically, it was because of Instagram that we got Manu Bennett to be in the show. I mean, I don't know. He probably wow. would have come from wherever he was, but it just like was what made us even put him on a radar. Because we wanted somebody cool to be our Boba Fett. You know, we, it was like, who's going to be our Boba Fett? And the funny thing is, is like Tamara Morrison, who played Django Fett, who's a Maori, you know, he's also from, you know, Manu's from New Zealand, isn't he? he I is. think so, yeah. He yeah. is, yes. And he's just great. And he does all his own stunts and action. And he's so passionate and loves Yeah, loves he was on he Spartacus does. for a while, playing the bad guy who people ended up liking. But he had a lot of fight mm-hmm. choreography on that show, which helped. Yeah, he's great. Like, and he was he, really fun to work he with. He had just come from Greece where he was doing research on the real Crixus, the character he played, That's right. had great stories. That oh, was another was digital my... shot I thought was cool. But This, Max, was, this is my favorite fight scene. With the lightning gag effect that we came up on the day off, this worked out so well for the show. And well, for Ben, like he's amazing Like what he's able to do. What was the temperature in the uh, Quonset hut? It was 90 degrees outside. I bet it was 120 inside. No joke, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Chris came in knowing that he wanted to shoot a lot of stuff with strobing lights and this kind of stuff. But you guys just took it to another level... This scene is so great. Uh, you know, it's, it's everything we learned. That ben is so good at fight scenes and acrobatics. We told him just like break it out everything because this is the showcase of everything you can do. And, mm-hmm. and he didn't. I think we realized in 103 it. when he beat up the guys who were be- trying to beat him right. up, the racists. That he was for real. That he was for real. And then we just kept writing more and more. And this is the culmination of all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Isn't he like a parkour stunt? It's like parkour, gymnastics. Yeah. Um, uh, he, you know, he can do a standing flip from a standing start. I mean, he must have hollow bones or something. He's a tall guy to be pulling off gymnastic moves mm-hmm. like that. It's pretty impressive. So. It's awesome and by the scene. end of the season, he had done every job. He operated camera. He slated. Um, my favorite is he um, makeup artist. He wanted to torment the woman who put him in makeup. Uh, you know, hour and hour and a half every day. So he actually did the Zetarian makeup on his makeup artist. So she one day showed up on set as a Zetarian. <laughs> and we're like, oh my God, you should play his mother. And uh, next season, maybe. <laughs> Dresden after the bombing. <laughs> I love that we went back to the look. The classroom the, look is, is good. Yeah, yeah. this is the same look that we I copied it almost from the courtroom scene because it worked so well. It's, it's so dramatic. It's the best this had ever looked. It's so dramatic. It's so effective. And we the talked music in previous is really podcasts good here too, that, like, that we don't like the set, and it looks great here. I haste it up so much, you can't even tell, but like you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. <laughs> I love this. And, and, you know, the whole season, you think Shral's the jerk, and Allison's the sweetheart, 
And by the end of this, you kind of feel like maybe Allison's the guy who's not so great, and Troll is actually really the decent guy. Tommy's great. I love Tommy's him so terrific. Much. I really am wonderful a fan person. Of his. Mm-hmm. Such a sweet man. I keep telling him if we do another season, we got to do the musical episode with him because mm-hmm. he's a song and dance man, Broadway actor, and mm-hmm. he'd be great to break out the tunes. <laughs> Very dramatic episode. Xander oh. coming out of the shadows is yeah. cool. There that tonally, this, like, is, this show is so different than what's come before. We want, As Steve said, we want to do something really different, really dark, super action-packed. I mean, it's kind of a little bit of the Terminator and a little bit of... Uh, Definitely, when Mono shows up on campus, it's all Terminator And a little style. Die Hard, you know, and, yeah. and it was... Probably for you in post, also, you did a lot more things with uh, sound mixing oh. and... We gave it extra time in post. We we spent so much. I mean, really, Mike uh, McDonald here at, at, Pre- at Private Island, and we 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 added a whole bunch of extra time for sound. We spent much more time on the sound mix than we normally do. More time in color timing. Um, mm-hmm. Really threw a lot of money and resources at this episode, and I think it really pays off. Yeah, and just, it's a slow burn because once it starts, it doesn't stop. Yeah, yep. just so much bigger. All the all the individual elements. All the all the uh, with all the VFX shots, everything has to be looked at, and 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 we have to figure out what we're doing. All the sound, uh, how, what we have to do with the, to make it sound, yeah, like the future. What was your post production like? Because I I can talk a lot about how we filmed it, but what was it like here in LA? I want to know now. <laughs> when you were when we were sleeping in <laughs> Sofia, there was a lot going on in Los Angeles. Yeah, and going back and forth with Sofia, it's uh, you know talking with you guys, it's. It's uh, you know ten hours ahead, so it's you know communicating with everyone over there is in the middle of the night, you know, or super early in the morning, and then there's a full day of work that we have to do here. Yeah, it's just uh, around the clock trying I, to get these done on the schedule. Yeah, I remember waking up in the morning, getting your emails, emails from all the editors, asking questions like how we filming, what we could add, maybe getting ex- additional inserts. It was basically a 24-hour show, whether it was for us in Bulgaria yeah. or for you here in L.A. Always somebody was, was working This is Manu's it. first scene, with the, and that was his idea to have the, yeah, we uh, used the, the amulets, and he wanted to know who's inside the amulet. So maybe in a later episode we'll reveal who he's looking at. That was a huge thing for him about the amulet. Yeah. The amulet ended up becoming his big This prop. scene with Thomas, this, this flashback is a scene that was cut out of 105, so me being the ultimate recycler thought, yes, hey, let's you use are. it in 112. <laughs> we paid for it, we shot it, it's good. It was the original end of 105, so we use it here. With yeah. uh, Tyranny and the And father. we try and do, we've done a lot of that in post. We did that in, although you had written it into the script, but even in, we changed the ending, we'll talk about this, I guess, when we do uh, 105, when he has the vision of uh, Jax, we use footage from 107, as opposed to, originally it was going to see like New Portland destroyed mm-hmm. again. It's like, okay, we don't need to. And then we had shot 1-7. I'm like, let's put in the, the one, and it just changes that episode. It just made, I love 105, but which is the, the meeting dad for the first time. So now there's the Hypatia Syndicate. We find out, you know, Tierney is the head of it. it, it we're really looking for a way to bring back organically uh, Tina Cassiani, who we just love. And uh, she becomes a big part at the end of the season, as we reveal later on. Of course, she has even more of a connection to the mythology of the show. Yeah. And then during pre-production on this, we then we realized Richard Blackwood was not available. Because mm. oh, at the last scene, he was supposed to find the father. Well, I think in the last scene, yeah, we're going to either he was gonna find the father yeah, or he was know where the father... We'll show you when they get to that scene, he was supposed to be there. I think midway through writing this, we found out that Richard wasn't going to be available for yeah. 113. No, we had, it was done. It was written. And he was, it was, Richard was one of the people at the end. Oh, yeah, 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 right, that's right. He was in there, That's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. We'll get there. When we get to the end, he was going to be one of the guys in prison. Yeah, Yeah. okay. And then it was going to continue into 13 with him rescuing him. (laughs) Yeah, because at one point you were like, oh, well, maybe we can use footage to uh, composite him into the end. And I'm like, it doesn't help us because then what do we do in 113? Uh, You don't have him as the actor, so. I love these space shots. Hmm. Yeah, we 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 should have done more of these. Created a bunch of new establishing shots all. Oh, all Adar at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, don't remind me. I love Adar at night. Adar always looks great at night. Not so great during the day, but it looks great at night. Hmm. Is all this was on our back lot? Yeah, where there's they a lot of a establishing of... planet shots that are great. In, yeah. As we as we moved along in the season, even with the moon of Io, and mm-hmm. then Adar and Zetar, it's just really gives yeah. the show scope. Yeah, mm-hmm. it and that opens it up. And that's what I love about 112 and 113 is they do a lot of planet hopping. 
between different planets. And this is something we'd want to continue in a potential season 13. I think we'd spend a lot more time in space and away from the college. Yeah. Yeah, just one of, worlds. one of our post challenges is every time we go to a new planet, which is all the time, mm -hmm. we want to try and figure out, you know, is how the lighting might be different, uh, yeah. and what, what the what the general sounds that we hear on the planet are. Yeah. We try and make them different every. And every, some of them kept changing because we find something better. And so by the end of the season, we started landing on what the sounds of the planets and the rooms, mm -hmm. and we're really starting to get it. even the laser sounds sort of change a little bit until we land on stuff that we really like right. because we had no time. To yeah. initially to experiment, like to create a soundscape that we were happy with. So it was mm -hmm. like finding this stuff as we went. But by the time you get into these later episodes, you know, it really sound good. I mean, I think we really kind of nailed the ADR. Oh, yeah, you did. I think it sounds great, like, when you when you listen to the show. And, like, I, had, I was able to also make some improvements with my lighting. Like you're saying, different looks. Like, we only had one dorm room set, mm -hmm. so I had to figure out how to make it look different for all the different... <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the one dorm room set is shared by every, every Chris, character. Chris, yeah, Chris yeah. is not going to shoot ADAR during the day. Mm -hmm. I remember we were prepping it. Like, well, we went to not splits, going so this to could do be it. night. And so yeah. this was, there's a lot of nights in here. We moved one in. I'll talk about it later when we did move one scene inside. That was at night. This is the most yeah. night shooting we did the I whole know, show. It would have been more. It, it was two great, days of splits and one just, day of full yeah, night. I know, yeah, so he was definitely only going to shoot this at night. So. Yeah, this was fun. I mean, it's like a lot of uh, um, these scenes done very simply, actually, camera-wise, but mm -hmm. worked out great. I mean, it's mostly motivated by some of the flame bars and then just augmented with additional lighting. All of these are play shots. That's, that's the actual military academy. And then Chris yeah. Ledoux added all the VFX elements. We joke around, that, not no, joking, but a lot of buildings, Aaron, in the background as the show progressed, more were, <laughs> more were popping up in the background. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, construction technology has advanced a lot in the future. Yeah. Exactly. And here comes Deathstroke, Amanu Bennett, Leone Volk. It's not like bark like a dog. It's so there you see Sheral's cane, which was introduced in episode six, and they got one cane for him, and oh. also we noticed there was a sword in the cane. Mm -hmm. Spoiler. Uh, and then I was like, wow, that's cool. Get a second cane so it doesn't break, but we're going to be using that again, and here we are. We'll use no, it was great for prop 12. show and tell. You know, they should... That, uh, you should that was just, they bought the cane, it was, and the sword just happened to be in there. And, and it was like, oh, planned. this is going to... And you knew then it was you, you were going to use and it. I love the idea that Charles has been carrying around a weapon on campus at all times. And the that, weapon he doesn't he'll, need he'll, to he'll, reload. The teacher. And then he'll use it. You know, he'll use it 12. at some point. And then I ended up using it on 113 to walk around with, because I thought it was cool, and it made me look like uh, John <laughs> Ford. So... <laughs> They, they were two canes, so there was one that Shrall had, and then I was using the other one as a walking stick. I should have taken that with me, but TSA would have stopped me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, these guns that Manu's using, credit to Chris Gossett, who designed this gun, they're actually printer cartridges, to inner ink toner cartridges placed onto a gun handle. Yeah, Chris but, had some really... Which we used in 109. In addition to directing, he, he brought a bunch of conceptual designs and storyboards that he did. Uh, he's so talented, had so many... I guess there's great... no laser blade, huh? I mean... <laughs> No, they weren't able to do it. Uh, wow, look at this. Out. This looks great. So here's the protector alien ships coming to Earth. You could... Great shot. Hmm. Yeah, some really great composition. So now, oh, yeah. now we transition to some really interesting stuff. Oh, the yeah. Hallways. Because once they get out of these boring hallways... Now let's go in Terminator mode mm -hmm. in terms of dun, action dun, and dun, lighting. Dun, dun. Cue and the sound. Brad Fidel music. Dun, 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 dun. I, I, this next shot I always meant to cut. I don't know why I let this stay. Like, why these guys this are one? just hanging out and pushing yeah, out Yeah, because originally this was shot, I guess, when he's supposed to be coming into the school before he goes into the classroom. Uh, I think that's when that shot's from. So uh, I, I, uh, I always meant to cut that shot, and I, I, I messed it. Because we were moving so quickly. Yeah, we did. But that was supposed to be when he was coming into the school, right? Uh, I think so. Now, this is great. I mean, we're in familiar locations, but they look completely different and much more ominous and uh, menacing. We, I went completely like overboard, but I love it with this red, red lighting effect. Like Big props to the gaffer Ogie. Like, I gave him so many challenges on the show. He would always come to me and be like, okay, what's next? And like, we would have to program and time all these lights. Yeah, he did a great job. Yeah, he did a fantastic job for us on the show. Because he looks like an ogre, but he's a great guy. <laughs> he has that Shrekian kind of, you know, mm -hmm. he's so awesome. Very sweet guy. Very good. Very, very wonderful man. So it made this, a lot uh, of this stuff work for us. When it transitions into the black hole, it becomes the tech noir from Terminator, I'd like <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah, so he's, he's back in the, the 1980s. <laughs> Welcome to 1984. 
the Technor on Pico. I think it's what. Yeah, it's actually on Pico. It's right? on Pico. Yeah. It's but then he drives through a tunnel and suddenly downtown. Yeah, I wish I could get across town. I don't know. But Pico does. It's a long street, so yeah, no tunnels between Pico and downtown. We have a little drinking game we should talk about. Every time he says Jack's Joe, you need to take a drink. <laughs> We're not <laughs> saying what you should drink, just that you should take a drink. <laughs> it could be water if you want. Great shot here, Max. That's a Matt. nice shot. And that the little rack to her. A lot of this stuff came in combination with talking with the actors. Like Manu had this idea, what if I come gunning with you with the, straight at you at camera? And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. And like often some of the best shots just work out if you start collaborating with everybody around you. Mark, we haven't talked about who's Pandora here. Oh, yeah. This is the great Angelica Slea. And Angelica is someone we worked with on an episode of Agent X. Again, another veteran of the Crow Altman stock players and uh, the Mercury Theater. And we really enjoyed working with her. And um, always talked about working with her again. We never really had the right thing. And so when this role of Pandora came up, we wanted somebody who looked like they could be an older Priscilla. And, and who had never been to Bulgaria before. So it's like, you know, come on. So we, we made her an offer, and uh, she was thrilled. And we hadn't seen her in a couple of years. It was like old home day seeing her. And, and she was so into it, and she's so badass. Yeah, took to she's the like Linda right Hamilton, yeah. you know, and just great. You did a fantastic job finding all these actors for the show, all the guest stars. Like I every have to one say, was so great. Like, good job. I, I, I normally don't, you know, I, I, I normally don't like to take too much credit, but I have to say, with the casting, we did do a very good job. Yeah. <laughs> this is a scene that was this was originally written for outside, but then this hallway, I thought, hey, let's we have enough work outside, and there's a lot of dialogue we have to explain. This is like we'll a dining room. So yeah, what Max? How many sterilites were using this? All of them, I guess. Uh, right? All eighteen of them that we had on different lighting cues, including a couple of sky panels in addition to this. And by the way, when I say we did a great job casting, I have to acknowledge that Erica Bream, our U.S. casting director, discovered Priscilla, who is amazing, and, and Rochelle, and then um, you know our U.K. Uh, casting directors and um, were amazing. KM Casting, who did all our guest casting, the rest of our principals, and we couldn't have done it without them. I mean, we brought in a lot of people we worked with before, but they discovered so many wonderful people that they brought to our attention. So, And also, CW had some great feedback. You know, they were super helpful during the process as well, in terms of... Um, Take another drink, Manu said, Jack's Joe. Jack's <laughs> Joe. Jack's Joe. Yeah. I love all this, just with the music and the lights and everything. It's, mm. it's, it's great. Jack's, Jack's Joe. Jack's Joe, take another drink. <laughs> just love we love that I, I think we're getting punch drunk after a while because I don't think any of us slept not only making it but then in the post I mean really like this is the first day when everything is where we actually can sit back and just enjoy everything's delivered as a Friday to the network it's airing on Tuesday when we record mm -hmm. this so hopefully we're done. Mm -hmm. Oh hopefully mm -hmm. just I'm hoping we don't get any phone calls with any yeah. concerns that they got it's in the yeah. last minute but uh, other than that, um, must have been interesting, like uh, mixing and still missing a lot of the VFX elements for this. Episode. Well, we we we, we staggered oh, it. Man. We we mixed for two days, and we didn't have remotely everything. Like that shot was first time. And I've then seen we came back and mixed more, and then we color timed, and then we had to come back, as you know, and color time again yeah. with more shots. And then Mike still had more to mix to the finished effect shots. This was a. You heard Schrall's voice over this, talking about Osborne's time in the war. That he was a sniper, had a lot of kills. So it was sort of mm -hmm. like that. But you kind of get it I, anyways that he has other skills besides teaching. <laughs> He's got a gun like this hidden mm -hmm. out in the woods. Well, we've never seen him teach. <laughs> no, just the one time with Cade Collins where yeah, he's standing there. Yeah, he had one classroom scene in number three. Oh. He brought in. You know, it's so funny because I've seen criticism of the show where they say, um, oh, they never go to class. It's like... Do you really want to see them go to class? Is that why you tune in? That's what I want to watch. Is like this is a, a cool you know, lecture on school calculus. in the future. You don't have to go to class. Yeah. A bunch of people reading books. People reading books. Yeah, long lectures. I mean, in Harry Potter, other than potions class, did they ever? You ever watch them like in class for for twenty minutes? This is my so, Barry Lyndon scene here. It's entirely lit just with the candle. Was this this was yeah. shot this second? Is Barry Lyndon. Yeah. This was the second shot in the Quonset hut? Uh, yeah, this was earlier, so it wasn't quite as hot. It was this first and then the fighting mm -hmm. second. That's yeah. right. Okay. You know, and again, the fabulous Amy McPherson, the fabulous Ben Radcliffe. A lot of times on these these commentaries, people sit and talk about how great people are and they don't mean it. Mm -hmm. uh, we really mean it. We, we These two are fantastic. So great. Very good chemistry on screen. And just amazing chemistry. And and we really hope we'll have more a chance to explore this relationship mm. for a potential second season because uh, they're gold together. Every scene they're in is great. 
What's crazy is that they worked one day in this episode. It was this. Yeah, that's right. They that's were scheduled right. for one day. Yeah, because all and their they scenes have a lot are in going, here. Yeah, it's just these and then she scenes, was on then, the green screen. They go to the for, green screen for the space yeah. panel. Same oh, with right. yeah. That was the same day. Yep, that was all the same day. Somebody said to me, and Thomas was one day. A couple of the main oh, people was, that just was one a, day. Uh, yeah. so much Somebody said, "Why don't we do more day. with these epaulets that they wear that can do anything? That like the the, the car and Goldfinger, they have all this stuff that the, they do. The magic it was in the pilot, you know, he throws in. It's like a drone, and and it's like, yeah, you know, we should have done more <laughs> with that. And so next season, hopefully. Yeah, the Zeterians are a little more advanced than the humans. They got a couple extra toys. They got yeah, they got gadgets. They got cool gadgets. Yeah. Well, he brought that elixir number seven to visit your past lives. Which one? Raylan did. The elixir yeah. that allows them to access past lives. Yep, exactly. It's kind of where we first hint at his uh, nobility or royalty. Well, yeah, he married into a royal house because Matta is royalty. Matta's family. Oh, and uh, um, you found a great actor to play his dad in Bulgaria. Oh, he's so good. Salazan. Yeah. The guy who plays Salazan. You know, I mean, there had been no plans to really bring him back, but after the pilot, he was so good, we, like, decided we have to bring this guy back. And we did, you know, obviously in 110. He's really good. And he's local. And he's local. Always a good thing. So we're leaving Shrawl behind here, and the three of them are going to... Head off to the monorail. <laughs> and it's like, will we ever see him again? They we don't, don't know. know. They don't know. Unless you've watched 113, then you do know. And here we are back in space in this epic space battle. Uh-oh, there the goes the space station. The battle begins. Boom. Booyah. Max, how'd you shoot that? Were you in outer space? Now we're on another planet. I mean, we're just jumping around the galaxy. I hadn't seen that shot before. That was the ADAR exterior shot. Yeah. Mm. Our new one, yeah. We're going to be back at ADAR. You're back on ADAR. This is, the, this is actually the bar in 113. Uh, oh, same, right, same, yeah. Same, same room. <laughs> and, uh, I think you did all the ADAR stuff in a day. Yeah, and we did the other scene also, uh, same night. Night. And I think we only had a couple hours. To well, no, it was even funnier. You only had a couple hours, but what's they had booked Ledoux on a flight that night. <laughs> and it's like, do you think you'll be able to make the plane? <laughs> oh, of course. I won't do any overtime. And uh, then, of course, he started going into heavy OT this night, and there was a real danger that he was going to miss his flight. Yeah. Because this is the last day of this episode. Yeah. He and was rushing to the airport. He at the just end made it. it. That's funny. I didn't know that. And then you'll see there's a great tiling shot here where you put in all these other Atreas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did a nice job That's with that a really shot. nice Was that job. it? The wide shot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the wide shot, yeah. There's like half a dozen of them in there. That's cool. Because wow. she didn't have that many uh, twin sisters. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. I mean, we were very efficient. We had two cameras rolling most of the time, but uh, we would always keep moving around to get more coverage uh, for the editors. I kept getting emails always asking them if we got more shots or how we should cover the scenes. It was very helpful, actually, from you guys, Aaron, oh, yeah. all the emails that you sent to us, especially on this tight schedule, like we had to make adjustments. Yeah, yeah sometimes the editors would be, you know, complaining, so we don't have coverage of this. Like, well, just call them up, you know. Well, so, the editors were huge fans of the show, so they were really invested. In very the, much. Yeah, they were contacting Max all the time and saying, you know, hey, do you have this? Could you do this? And... And at first they were really wary. I'm like, no, email him. Just let him know. He is like, oh, well, we don't want to insult him. No, just let him know what you need. <laughs> yeah, just call me anytime. Anything to make the show better. And it wow. definitely helped get that great shot. ideas, this by the way, your editors. Like for some of the 360 shots, the ideas were oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. They were really talented. Yeah. And, I haven't seen really any of these shots. This is great. I've seen this stuff. But like the... That's what you get for missing yeah, staff I know, meetings. I know. <laughs> missing color timing. But Steve's colorblind, so he doesn't come yeah, to color. I'll only he make would be color timing more problematic. So, All right, there's the flame bar, which will let you guys... Be, well, yeah, we punched in, punch so you don't see it. And here he is, America's sweetheart, or Britain's sweetheart, as the case may be, Elias yeah. Wilson. We did, we love this guy, and he this is the best he's been he's on He's in episode show. one and two, and so then he comes, he comes back, back now. I remember, too, because uh, when he finished shooting for 102, the AD said, oh, is this a show wrap on him? Should we call show wrap? I said, no. I said, he's coming back. And then he overheard me. He said, I'm coming back? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, like, I, yeah, I don't know when. <laughs> so also, really when we were filming number 11, the, ca I, the like, cast was asking me, so what's going on in 12? Because I know row 12. And I said, someone dies. And the cast was all like, well, who? And I go, I can't say. And then they were all scared because they, they all thought... They were all scared that one of them is going to die. One of them is <laughs> like, well, Steve kills off everyone. He's killed off, 
You know, yeah, he killed off yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. John Kim. <laughs> And he killed off uh, someone in 109. He kills off people. So <laughs> I, all the I, let them let, I let them be a little afraid of, like, <laughs> someone definitely dies. I can't say yeah, I want to be on your good side so nobody yeah. dies. The network was really upset that we killed him, too. And it's like, well, we got to kill somebody. And, you know, yeah. th- th- we got to show the stakes. It's a heroic death. And it's like, we, we really like him. Well, well they the put idea. him in this shot, too. Remember, they, they added him in. Mm-hmm. And I guess he's in that shot, too, somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, oh, hey, it's unbelievable. The sofa, cool. There's all these VFX shots. Here. Well, and Manu wasn't even there. So yeah. it's like all the stuff was there. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't there. Yeah. It's part of the green screen shot, I think, that we did. Yeah. Yeah, now this is just back where Military Academy back in a stairwell. And then this is where we actually shot some scenes from another episode. So this is like the hallways. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, he brings down the door. Um... I think this is what we use as the library in 106. The clerk's, the yeah, clerk's the office. Yeah. In oh, there's the door, yeah. which. Oh! Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. But, so it's then a, they, yeah, but the cast was still upset that I killed him. They were not, <laughs> even though they, they did survive the episode, they're like, oh, but why not did you him? kill Wilson? Not, I go, not it's, really Wilson. Emo- it's emotional, uh, but. Is anybody really dead always? I know. Not. And he's back in 13, so. Yeah. We, well, we, at one point, it's like. I remember when we killed John, it was like, is he dead or is he supernatural, supernatural dead? dead. That's yeah. a, and we said, yeah, he's supernatural asking. dead. Even Harlan Freed, you know, he comes back yeah. as a young version, so. Maybe he'll come back, too. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I'd love to have Ben cross back. So, uh... Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't seen that. You haven't seen this, you know? I haven't seen no, the I saw the shitty version of that. Version of that. Yeah. Now, yeah. It's good. It's good. I just uh, saw it yesterday. He's strong. <laughs> Although, he but does the sound match? Because that's not what we... Mi- uh, uh, ish. Oh, we, no. we, had to, we had to fiddle with it a little bit oh, to try and make shit. it, yeah. try and, try and make it okay. fit, fit as well as we could. I feel like every other shot in here has no VFX element to it. This was kind of a late added addition. I mean, Chris wanted to... Explain how these guys get up to. The the sh- I think we so, all. Did, I mean, we actually. figured it out. He finds the only box ship because like yeah. everything else was destroyed. So it does make sense. Which is because timing wise, it was like we went right yeah. to the battle and we needed to explain how. Yeah, they got up like there. how do they get up there so quickly? So at least they, the, they were the, resourceful the, the, and they figured how it hard out. it was for Jackson to get to the, the, into space. They got into space pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> now it gets very intense. I'm amazed what they put together in three weeks. Oh, it's put insane. This entire space battle again. I we we said it before. We'll say it again. That uh, Chris Ledoux and, and his whole team at Crafty Apes, and I have to s- signal out uh, Mikel uh, Bertru, and uh, and of course the guys and, in and Bulgaria as well, uh, uh, Stanislav, and mm-hmm. everybody really uh, just fantastic. So I mean, running the monorail. Huge... The monorail is definitely not the one I saw back in the day <laughs> in the countryside, but it's a great. But it still made it. Shot. The story made it. Yeah. Story. The story idea is there. Yeah. So and we transformed. Is they go into the car? It's actually the battle cruiser hallway, which we transformed into the. Monorail car, mm-hmm. and it looks it looks great. I mean, it's really easy when you have Netflix money to do all this stuff and a Netflix post schedule. We had neither the money nor the post schedule, <laughs> or the time, or the time. <laughs> yeah. But we had hot. <laughs> I know. We repurposed a lot of the sets. Like this one, I think we've also used like I think three or four yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks lot. great though. It's a great looking room. So mm-hmm. well, and I love the the chairs for the art department. They look like they belonged in a Pan Am or TW airport for Mad Men or something. Mm-hmm. But there's something cool about retro that seems futuristic. Mm-hmm. Was this the clerk's office? Who are those people yeah. standing in the background? Oh, it's, uh, it's Jackson. <laughs> oh, okay. I was getting worried. Call Chris, watching. take them out. Yeah, there's still time. We have still two, time. Two, two days still it airs. I have people standing by. In a way, this was more like an indie movie than it was like a TV show in a sense, given the time and, mm-hmm. and resources that we had. Mm-hmm. And also, like, looks sometimes more like a movie than it does than a TV yes. show. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because we we go outside like the set look looks that. a lot more. And there's <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot more variety of looks. And try to give it a lot more contrast, like here, not just flat, e- even lighting. Different colors. You know, change I mean, the look set at design. This. this is nuts. And they were not even wearing helmets. Those are CG helmets. It's all CG. Yeah. Right. So the actors that are inside the interceptors are the, the CG helmets. They're not interceptors. Yeah. They're infiltrators. Infiltrators. Yeah, we should put together a reel of the uh, showing how all the VFX looked, you know, before, like before the raw and after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's what Chris was showing everyone on the set, was like showing some of the before and after stuff that he's done on other movies and TV shows. Yeah. Well, I can tell you even by looking at all the stuff where we put green or uh, where he added stuff on top of it, that's actually not part of the set. Design. You know what I just realized? I'm wearing these headsets, and I can't hear any. I hear all of you talking. I actually have not been hearing anything by headsets the whole time. <laughs> if you listen closely, some <laughs> of these uh, voices you hear on the ships are possibly myself or Aaron or... I would, I, mean, I would I'm put in here this a few battle times. up against any space battle in any science fiction show yes. that I've ever seen. Yes, and you know what? I'm an expert on science yeah. fiction. So here's the battles. monorail car. <laughs> and I think most space battles in movies, too. Mm-hmm. It does not look like the monorail that I... No, it looks like Tron. Drone shot. I know. It looks <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for David Warner and Bruce Boxleitner to show up. Mm-hmm. The, the Tron district and... Now, I, I, as you said, this is great because this is basically our battle cruisers redressed with the strap hanger bars mm-hmm. and uh, green screens for the windows. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I was envisioning the monorail, I thought, well, just we, we could use the battle cruiser this section of the hallway and, and just make it look like. And this the was car. our art director, Rawson. They just turned it around amazing, super fast all the time. They, he was yeah. doing stuff that was magic every yeah. episode. He did, and often like on the day off, on the same day, you would show up. There's nothing. You come back a couple hours later, and it would oh, be done. I know. I yeah. can't tell you how much I panicked uh, when I would see something. There's the space elevator, mm-hmm. so we got to incorporate both the monorail and the space elevator. Crystal Dew, it was his idea to get the space elevator mm. connecting with the monorail. So I love the idea of an elevator going up into space. Well, <laughs> it was, it, that was the original show bible, and it was in the pilot. But it was always we were supposed to see it a lot. So by the end of the season, when it is important. Mm. But we never really saw it for whatever reason. So there are a couple of times in dialogue where I referenced it. Yeah. You know, we talk about the space elevator. But it's like all of a sudden in 112 it becomes this big thing. But I, I thought it was one of these sci-fi concepts that had never really been done in a sci-fi show. And I was always looking for that. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, it would be cool to have the space elevator. Which really should be at the equator and not in Geneva. But right. it's fine. Yeah. I'm sure our, our, Scientifically, our it should be at the I'm equator. I'm sure our science consultant will uh, rat us out on Twitter on that. Yeah. We have this great science consultant who gave us all this great advice, but every time we ignored her, she would go on Twitter and talk about how we didn't listen to her. (laughs) But it's awesome. It's It's awesome. so cool. This is all green screen stuff with Mata and uh, and Raylan. Yeah. Talked about this being more organic, their ships, and having a very different look than the Earth ships. Yeah, they're Mm -hmm. just sitting on chairs, basically. Almost everything else is surrounding them. Yeah, just sitting in chairs against green. That's how we shot them. And then Chris did everything else. And there's green behind those windows, obviously. This is a big thing. I think we really helped when we realized that the monorail goes to the space elevator mm-hmm. rather than having the monorail attack. Because I always had planned on this being diehard on the space elevator for 112, but then Steve had this obsession with the monorail. So we figured we'd combine the, space the peanut butter <laughs> and the chocolate into one thing. So it was a, this is how a collaborative uh, team of great partners. Out. Now, here they are. Now, this is really great because this came from directly from the science advisor. She said if they were dropping towards Earth, the G-forces would cause them yeah. to... And so Steve wrote it in, and I, like, panicked. I'm like, what the hell? The hell? And you they pulled this it is off. The, this is the most expensive stunt because yeah. I think they had six riggers pulling them up. This was wire work. They yeah, were hanging off wires, yeah. Yeah. and then we put crash pads on the floor for them to fall onto. It was a lot of fun to film, but slightly complicated. In very little time again, of course. Look at this. I mean, this is just sensational. Yeah, this is all insane. But Chris, like you said, he had a vision. Like, I, you know, this was in the script, mm-hmm. obviously, but, like, very thin description. And then yeah. they fight. But he, yeah, they're fighting. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, this is like, you know, Atlanta right. burns and yeah. uh, going with the wind. Some of this but... cool stuff on the spaceship is a mix between VFX and practical effects. Like, some of the sparks, for example, that's yeah. actually SFX. And mm-hmm. I always feel like you need to mix between the two because that sells it. Like, I completely just going agree. VFX and the camera and... shake, did you guys do that in post? Yeah. Yes. The camera shakes in post. We did not shake the camera. Yeah. No, because we filmed it with the jib looking through the windows. So, yeah, that's all put in post, the, the camera shake. And it looks great. And I have to say, you know, but we really did sort of delineate this into three parts. This is when we sat with Chris. We said, this is what the space battle needs to be. It needs to be, they go I love overwhelming shot. odds, the battle is lost, and then Han Solo, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which in the temp shot, we actually had the Millennium Falcon coming in. Yes. <laughs> You know, that it's three distinct parts of the space battle. Mm. You know, there's a whole narrative to to the progression here. You know, and given more time, 
Because a lot of this was stuff we created in post, a lot of these wild lines and mm-hmm. stuff we added to clarify. Yeah, I, I went through the whole space battle and was dropping in like lines that we had to add just to like to help tell the story. Mm-hmm. Little things here and there just to help it out. And we were doing it without actually having the finished effects. Yeah. <laughs> How did you go about this battle scene? Did you use storyboards? Or <laughs> no, there was no time for storyboarding. I mean, we, we had some, we, we, you know, pretty much every single day we would uh, update our video with the latest VFX for sound mm. and relook at it again while we were you know, but closing mm. it on the sound. What board. was really great to help sell it, and, and so we were able to mold it, was they use footage from, you know, other shows like Star Wars and In the Rough Cut and um, uh, Star Trek and Galactica and mm. all that stuff to sort of. You know, almost like animatics, almost like as a storyboard, and and then we use that to sort of mold the clay into what you know this should happen here and this and then and we're wide and then we're tight and then, mm-hmm. you know. But it, it's really a testament to Chris again that he he knew, you know, what he wanted to accomplish there and, and he did it. Now they're all dead. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was very it's yeah. very sad. Yeah. Her crying was like it's yeah. emotion. Well, she can it's just like, turn geez. it on and off. It's yeah. amazing. You know, she's uh, very but she's a very great technical actor. Yeah. Very wonderful to work with. I had a lot of fun with blocking with her because she was so experienced from mm-hmm. doing so many TV shows. We could do well, a lot. a lot of actors who've done a lot of soaps mm. are very good technical actors, mm. and she has a lot of experience in Australia doing you know, soap operas. So, mm. and that was, by the way, I think five minutes before you had to go to the airport. Before <laughs> 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 Chris had to leave. That's great. So originally, that. Thomas, one of these guys hooked up the thing was going to be Richard the dad, Blackwell's yeah, Richard father, Blackwell, Billy yeah. D, but. Mm-hmm. Since we didn't have him, it changed. Yeah. It became a trap. Yeah. And now this is the same relic cave that we shot 109. Right. Mm-hmm. Just, it looks great. I think this looks it looks yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I showed Chris this. I'm like, how about this for the for this this the asteroid scene? He's like, mm-hmm. yeah. But even shots like these have VFX elements. Yeah, we extend yeah. yeah. Like extending down the yeah, yeah. And then you this, can't yeah. always tell, but. No, they did a great job. And then also we were going so fast. You know, it's. Uh, you know, there was some lighting equipment that had to be there for the shot, but we you know. Just, we just well, we'll talk about it in a second. Out. I just say that was an intentional homage to Star Trek II when he goes, Tyranny! Yeah. Oh, and it echoes. <laughs> it's definitely con. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this was actually shot on green screen for 113, but, and it was going to be scrapped entirely, but we thought, let's put it in here. This is Manu's idea, and like he, keep want, him going. You know, like he went back to Pandora's destroyed yeah. universe. So we'll see. He had what a lot of ideas on the show. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot. That's an understatement. And then you know, this is cool. The whole idea, the the, the uh, Hypatia Syndicate uses a different the laser darts, you know, laser dart blowgun kind of thing. Chris was like, I want something. Them using something cool. Like, how about laser darts? He's like, <laughs> we yep, came up with yep. that in the prop meeting because originally they were going to slash their throats. And yeah, one, we didn't want to do violent. it yeah. because it was like bloody and B, we want to do something cooler yeah. and we came up with the idea in that prop meeting of, of blow guard blow, blow, you That's know futuristic, futuristic blow guards yeah. and it seemed appropriate to the Amazonian Hypatia you know we wanted them to do things different than like pull laser guns mm-hmm. and blocking wise it was pretty simple to do you didn't have to move anywhere and just yeah. have the floor creak and stand oh, in one place and the shoot the creaking. well they weren't, blo- they weren't walking <laughs> they were just standing <laughs> Give you nightmares this floor. Yeah, it's the whole building. It's it's, well, it's old. It's an old floor. building. It's a very old building. Yeah, it's like, and you left me that cliffhanger at the end of this, and it was like, okay, but that doesn't really fit what I want to do in 113. So at some point, I'm just like, <laughs> you said I was supposed to. We kept doing that throughout the whole season. We're like, I'm like, so like, why is the Pandora's box empty? Like, I don't know. You figure it out. Like, <laughs> and so, like who's at Jack? Who's at the Osborne's gravesite? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I so many questions. Yeah. Right. Like, I put that in on the seven. It was like, like, like choose. Yeah. Yeah. Put a long list together. And we well, can kick that stay can at down night. the road. And, um, Xander but, stay at night. But that was totally. You know, I'm gonna kill you. And it's like, oh, we're supposed to come back right to that scene. And part of it was like, we were. There was no way we were gonna come back to that. And and um, so it's like later on, it's like uh, you you were supposed to have killed him. Well, I decided we needed him alive, and that was my way of dealing with that cliffhanger, you know, um, because it, it it didn't I didn't want to start one thirteen back. It, I mean, I, I, there was no way I was going into that room and dealing with those sound issues again. So it just was not gonna it was not gonna happen. Yeah, I think we're done with that room for a season yeah. two. Yeah, <laughs> please, no, we're we're please. definitely we, if there's a season two. He's like two, Aaron's uh, like yes, please. Yeah, there's so much so much noise, so many yeah. it's, it's so much extra work in some of those sets. I I just think that. Um, I think this is a really great episode. It's it's 
so different than the other episodes, and uh, I think it delivers. You know, it's airing a two. You know, it was a two-hour episode the first time it airs uh, with one thirteen. Um, so I, it's such a great two-part kind of conclusion to the season. You know, a lot of mythology gets answered or at least uh, answer some questions and ask more questions in that hallway scene the performance <laughs> the is great lights. and um, the sp- you know the space battle is extraordinary it looks amazing thanks to Max and his amazing team you know uh, you know Ogi and Iso and, and Mir- Marambo <laughs> Marambo <laughs> and, uh, and uh, it just um, it was a, it was a it was a great season it was hard it was punishing it was exhausting but it's so great to sit here on literally the day after we finished the season and, and look at it and, and, and mm-hmm. say, yes. I don't know how we did yeah. it. <laughs> I literally don't I know, know how, how we did it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was not easy, but it was immensely satisfying. Yeah. Great so, job, Phyllis. And, yeah. um, Congratulations, yes. everyone. Yeah. But uh, thank you to Max and to Aaron and Steve. Uh, just a great episode. I hope... You at home enjoyed, uh, I won't say as much as we did making it, because we didn't really enjoy making it that much. Oh, but I, I enjoyed no, it. No, we had fun. I we had fun. Like, end of the day, like, I miss it. We enjoyed it. was a great experience. It was a great experience. I'll remind you of, I'll remind you of that. Uh, if we, okay. If we... You can play back this. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had a great time until the very end, and I was just so tired that, um, but, you know, we're, we're lucky. It's a gift to be able to work in this business. You know, and have people give you money as little as it is to go make make a show like this. You know, because uh, we really are doing a throwback to the the shows we grew up on. You know, this was never supposed to be a 21st century show. We wanted to pay homage to the original Star Trek and the the shows we grew up in the 80s and, and 90s and and um, and and you know, sort of go back to a more hopeful, optimistic. You know, not this kind of dark where everybody's screwed up and miserable and cynical and the Zombie future apocalypses and apocalyptic you life know. in the wasteland and, and I, I think we were extremely successful and it's bright the look the mise-en-scene is, is just really punchy I, you know I've said in the past that like Max is like Jerry Finnerman so uh, anyway uh, a, a great way to end the season I hope you'll stick around for 113 the uh, as I said the souffle after the after the meal and um We'll hopefully uh, see you again in the future. For Aaron, Steve, Max, this is Mark Altman saying, I don't know what I'm saying, so good night. (laughs) 